Welcome to LaGrange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. How does your brain form and keep memories that last over a long time? Now when it comes to saving any sort of data, it's always good to have multiple copies and it's important to make sure you save it in a nice strong place that can't be damaged. And that's exactly what your brain does. This week we look at the formation of memories and how they get saved and kept over long periods of time. One of the big things that most people do when they travel or have a significant life event is to try and capture that memory. A lot of the time this involves snapping a picture of it for Instagram, Snapchat or social media of any other form. That's not an entirely new phenomenon. People have been taking photos, painting portraits, telling oral stories to capture events that were important to them and significant for a long period of time. And this is all about trying to save a memory. Now, even on a computer, you know that if you hit File, Save, you'll probably save what it is you're working on. But how exactly does your brain undertake the same process? How does it know to form and to save a memory? We can know to keep and save key information for us about most important memories and events in our lives. But it's taken a study published in the Journal of Proceedings of Natural Academy of Sciences by Columbia neuroscientists to actually really piece it together. And this was a difficult process because to do so, you actually have to follow and track the activity of nerve cells inside the brain, the neurons, and try to track them all the way through developing and saving or recording, etching permanently in a memory. Now, this is a pretty exciting study that required a large team of researchers, including Eric Kendall, Lindsay Ford from Columbia University. Now, what they were trying to follow is the process by which now what they were trying to follow is the process where memories are formed and what exactly happens with each of those tiny parts of your brain cells the neurons how they actually save and store a memory and it involves a lot of neuroscience a lot of biochemistry and a lot of careful observation in mice models now all memories even the most momentary ones are made with tiny branches called axons which extend out from the neurons. When these axons connect to each other, these connection points which are called synapses, more or less like a handshake, they can be strong or they can be weak. When they weaken and fade then the connection between those two points is gone and the memories vanish. But when they strengthen and have a firm grip and connection to each other, the memories can last for a very long time. So strengthening a synapse, the connection between these neurons through the axons is incredibly important to understand how memories become permanent and stored for a long period of time. Now, all the way back in 2015, Dr. Kendall and his team identified a specific protein in mice called CPEB3. And this has a really odd job to play. Now, normally it helps grow and change the mice's anatomy, but when it's present in the brain synapses, it actually helps memories be formed and recalled. They found this protein inside the mice's brains and neurons, especially when the mice were saving a memory or recalling a memory. And when the researchers prevented the mice from making any of this protein, CPEB3, the mice could form a new memory, but they weren't able to keep it lasting. They, they basically wrote it and then lost it or forgot it soon afterwards. Without the CPEB3, basically the synaptic connections collapse the axons aren't linked between the neurons and the memory pathway is gone. So it just slowly fades over time. 
It's not like it instantly shuts off, like if you turn off your computer at the wall before you've hit save on that document. No, no, it decays over time as the connection between these two things weakens over a long period of time. So given that scientists knew that, what they were trying to do is actually track and trace the process with which this protein is actually causing it to memories to be saved. We know it's responsible for saving, or partly in saving and strengthening the memories, but how was not really well understood. So inside your brain, there's a region called the hippocampus, and that's the brain's main memory center. And inside your hippocampus, it's churning out CPEB3, this special protein, at regular in intervals. And it dumps that out, it's created inside the centers of neurons. So what the research team found is that once this protein is produced, it's transferred to isolating chambers that basically keep that protein saved for time when it is needed later. By saving it for when it's needed later, it means that when a new memory is ready to be formed and you want to strengthen a connection, a synapse, well, then you can release the protein and let it get to work. But the problem is that the chamber, the isolating chamber that this protein is stored in called a Peabody, it doesn't actually have a physical barrier like a membrane to contain it. They're basically just like more denser areas of neurons. And it's the density that holds these things together. It's more like a force field rather than a cell wall. It sort of keeps all the protein clumped in a certain region through sheer density and keeps it away from other parts of the cell. So once a neuron is loaded up with this specific protein, it lays there dormant, ready to be unleashed the moment a new memory needs to be formed and those synapse connections between the axons strengthened. So as soon as it's required, the P-bodies, these isolating chambers, leave the neuron center and travel down its branches towards the axon and where the synapse is. When an animal has an experience, it begins to form a memory, and these isolating chambers begin to dissolve, decreasing their density and opening the floodgates to release all of this CPEB3. And that helps create that memory and save it. Over time, as you release more and more of this protein, the strength of that synapse connection, the strength of that handshake or that grip between the two neurons through the axon strengthens. And this alters overall the whole anatomy and shape of the neuron. It also helps stabilize that connection. Think about it like applying a large glue to this neuron connection or handshake. If each person has glue on their hands when they start their handshake, then after a while, that more and more glue will get in there and then it will dry and solidify and you have a pretty strong grip. Probably not great for a handshake, but pretty good for forming a memory. And this shows that protein synthesis, which is the result of creating this protein, distributing it out and releasing it at a certain time, is incredibly important for actually forming and maintaining a memory. If you don't keep releasing that CPEB3, then basically you might form the initial connection, but you lose it quite shortly afterwards because you don't have enough strength there to hold it in place. Now, that might happen, for example, if you have, for some reason, a decreased amount of CPEB3 or are unable to produce it. Now, in the cases of these studies, they were blocking the production of this particular protein. But if you have a neurodegenerative condition like Alzheimer's or Huntington's, then you might also see the same thing happen. Now, we really want to understand the sciences of how synapses form and are strengthened over time because in memory loss conditions like Alzheimer's, you're losing these synaptic connections slowly and slowly. So keeping them strong is an important thing as well. Now, it's not just this particular protein that's helping form these connections and keep them going. There's also another protein hanging out by the name of SUMO, and that helps regulate the flow of the CPEB3. 
uh, it sort of pumps and primes all these isolating chambers full of CPEB3 and helps it dump out to the right spot on the axon. And that's pretty exciting. So it goes to show that the formation of memory involves a lot of intricate biochemistry because you need something to keep those connections between your neurons, the synapses, working not just once, but staying there over time. And that's what enables you to remember all those great things or not so great things you've done in your past. So all that biochemistry, the handshake between the proteins, and this time bomb, isolated chambers of this specific protein being released over time to firm up this connection between different parts of your brain, is all what's going on inside each time you form a new memory. So this is some great research by a team of researchers at the Zuckerman Institute at the Columbia University, published in the journal PNAS. We just talked about ways memories are formed in an individual connection between neurons, but it's not just an individual neuron inside your brain. In fact, there's a lot more going on there. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And that's what researchers from Caltech University, including head of the lab, Carlos Lois, as well as lead researcher in a particular paper, Walter Gonzalez, they published in the journal Science recently and outlined how it's not just a single neuron firing, but rather a whole symphony of neurons firing together at the same time that provides redundancy and helps memories persist over time. And they did this by measuring and analysing mice's neural activity as they learned about and remembered a new place. Now to understand what they did here, we can talk a bit about their experimental setup. So they took a mouse and placed it in an enclosure, a little bit of a maze about five feet long with white walls. And they put different symbols marking different locations along the walls. A bold plus sign near the rightmost end or an angled slash near the center. And they left sugar water, which is a treat for the mice, placed at either ends of the track. As the mouse explored around, their researchers measured the activity of specific neurons inside the mouse's hippocampus. The hippocampus being the region of the brain where new memories are formed that we spoke about earlier. And what they looked at was specific regions of the hippocampus which are known to be correlated, at least in mice, with encoding for place information. So when an animal was initially placed on the track, it was pretty much unsure what to do, so it just wandered around until it came across the sugar water. In these cases, single neurons were activated when the m mouse looked at a symbol on the wall, but sort of over time it went back to nothing. But over multiple experiences and exposures to the same track, obviously the mouse became much more familiar with it and remembered the locations of the sugar. As the mouse became more and more familiar, more and more of these neurons were associated, activated at the same time when they saw a symbol on the wall. Essentially, the mouse was starting to recognize the symbol and get reinforcement from other neurons that were going, yeah, yeah, I remember this area too. So then the researchers really wanted to see how long these memories would last. So what they did is they withheld the mice from the track, took them away from the track for about 20 days. And upon returning to the track, 
The mice that had formed strong memories and had been exposed to it a few times and had built up that synchronized firing of the neurons when they saw the symbols, those mice, when they saw the track again, were able to remember the task and get to the sugar water pretty quickly. Even though some of the neurons didn't all fire when they saw the symbol, enough did that it was clearly able to identify that symbol and associate it with the place. So in other words, by having some level of redundancy, that information saved in the neurons in multiple locations and having them all respond at the same time gives you a bit of redundancy and backup in your system. So if, for example, one of the neurons forgets the memory or degrades and loses the connection, then at least one of the other ones has it. And that's pretty important to understand because that explains how your brain is reinforcing information on a physical level and how those memories can be formed and saved over time, which is very important for understanding how diseases such as Alzheimer's or dementia can actually impact human life. For example, it's quite possible that memories might fade more rapidly as we get older because as a memory is encoded by fewer and fewer neurons you have fewer fewer of them left alive and functioning really well and if even one of those fails that could be 50% of all your neurons who save that particular memory. So getting a treatment that could help boost the and help neurons remember information more readily and increase the numbers would actually help prevent memory loss in some applications. So doing that is actually a much more complicated and difficult problem. So it may not just be the strength of the connection between neurons that we talked about earlier, but also the number of them. Because whilst having a good strength conne connection is important, if you have backups and other neurons doing the same thing, well then, hey, you'll probably have a better chance of keeping and persisting with that memory. And that's one of the important things to keep in mind. A lot of things to do with the brain are not so simple. They often involve complicated processes, and so your brain doesn't leave it to chance. It builds backup and redundancy, and that's what helps keep our memories strong and lasting. But when it goes wrong and we start to lose our memories, then obviously strengthening the connection is one way to help improve our brain's ability to remember, but also having more redundancy in there will also greatly help. So this is some great research that's come out of the California Institute of Technology, including undergraduate researchers Hanven Zhang and Anna Haratunan, along with lead author Walter Gonzalez. This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Forming strong memories using protein synthesis to making sure there's redundancy in place, your brain does a lot of cool things to make sure you keep those memories that you formed that are precious. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.